To paraphrase Hunter S. Thompson, when you get locked into a serious beer collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can. Cheers. Son of a bitch! Give me a drink! Takeover Podcast exclusively uses the Physics Draft Beer System to dispense all of the beers we review. Physics utilizes sonic wave technology to create the ideal density microphone head on your beer. It delivers a fresh from the tap draft beer experience that you can enjoy at home or on the go with no need for any external gas or additives. Just four AA batteries. Physics tasting is believing. Coming to you from the Solid Non-Fail Studio, it's time for the Tap Takeover Podcast. Boys, is there any other way to describe Episode 3 than epic? No, no there's not. This is going to get ridiculous, guys. We've got a live tasting from four different Michigan breweries, stories of our Michigan beercation, live interviews from Dark Horse Four Elf Party revelers, and lots of questions from our listeners. And so far, the response to the first two episodes has also been pretty epic. So thank you to everyone who has liked our Facebook page and our Instagram, followed our Twitter account, looked us up on iTunes and Google Play, and sent questions to taptakeoverpodcast at gmail.com. And we will get to those questions. But first, Andy, why don't you tell our listeners what we have taken over the taps on the Tap Takeover Podcast today? Well, boys, uh, we're going to have to put on our big boy pants to get through all these uh, pretty darn ridiculous what we're going through for you, the listeners, tonight. <laughs> what, what we're putting ourselves through. <laughs> what we're Sacrifices are being made. <laughs> we're like sacrificial lambs let out to the slaughter here. So we're starting off with uh, Dark Horse uh, from the collection that we, we got from the Four Elf Party. Uh, we're starting off with the 2016 Bourbon Barrel Age Plead the Fifth. Then we're going to go right into the 2015 Bourbon Barrel Age Plead the Fifth. And then we're going to do both regular versions of Plead the Fifth from 2016 and 2015. Then we're going to go into the Burb Rum Plead the Fifth, which is aged in both bourbon and rum barrels. And then we're going into the six pair of legs Bourbon Barrel Aged Maple Porter, which is aged in bourbon barrels and maple barrels. From there, we're going to round out our course with our Bourbon Barrel Aged Four Guy Imperial Russian Barley Wine Stout which should be interesting because I've never actually heard of a barley wine stout before, especially an Imperial Russian one. From there, we're going to take a trip to Bell's, and we're going to go for the Black Note 2016, Batch 1 and Batch 2. Then we're going to go to the Livery for Bourbon Barrel Aged, Triple Weizenbach, the Liberator, which is also Bourbon Barrel Aged, and the Sojourner. And what type of beers were the Liberator and the Sojourner, Alex? The Liberator was a Doppelbach, and the Sojourner is going to be a Black Ale. Mm, not a Schwarz beer. Not a Schwarz beer, a Black very specific. Okay, well that's interesting. Then we're going to take a trip to end our episode to Odd Side Ales for the Bourbon Barrel Aged Imperial Mayan Mocha, the Hipster Brunch, the Rye Hipster Brunch, Hazelnuts, and Munt. Hazel's Nuts? Hazel's Nuts. (laughs) This is a real whirlwind tour of Western Michigan. It is surprising how far Western Michigan, which really is not much there, uh, has become this hotbed of craft beer uh, out of the Midwest. It's, It's incredible. My 
uh, my girlfriend and I took a trip about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, to uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, and we were just blown away by all of the little craft breweries, not just in Kalamazoo, but just outside. You've got Founders, you've got Bells, you're talking about Dark Horse, uh, the livery, which we just described. It's a who's who. New Holland, Shorts is out there. Founders. Arcadia. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. All those breweries in just one central area. It's it's a fun trip. And, you know, from Milwaukee, it's it's just right around the lake. You know, if, if you're in Chicago or Indiana, it's even closer. If you live in Michigan and you haven't been to these places, you're, you're living in Michigan wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I would have to say so. So let's get into the beers, which came back with us from our epic beer run. B-double-E-double-R-U-N beer run. All we need is a ten and a five or a car and a key and a sober driver. B-double-E-double-R-U-N. All right, so Andy, where are we starting? So we're starting off with the 2016 Bourbon Barrel Age Plead the Fifth. Fantastic Imperial Stout to begin with without yep. aging in bourbon barrels. And this is fun because we've got a number of different variations on this one. So this is going to be our most basic of the Bourbon Barrel Age Plead the Fifth. <laughs> we've also got the basic Plead the Fifth, but we're going straight into the Bourbon Barrel Age first. So what do you think, Jim? How is this holding up? Well, the, the nose and the bouquet is fantastic. That's the first thing that strikes me. A lot of chocolate on the nose. The uh, bourbon is coming through it is 2016 so i uh, has not had a lot of time to lay down it's coming in a little hot a little hot and i think similar to uh, what we did in the black friday vertical i think we're going to find a marked difference in the 2015 being much smoother still a little boozy a little hot here on the uh palette but dark horses they do a very good job of melting their flavors together it is this. yes the flavors themselves there's no sharp notes yeah. it's it, it is great hot. color it is hot when we try the regular the regular is actually a lot more viscous than this is too mm-hmm. yeah i'm getting a lot of nice toasted oak on this one that, that oak is yeah, yeah the bourbon the barrel really speaking right to there. me which is amazing here. because it's the, it's the first year you know it's just 2016 but the barrel's already speaking this, that bodes well for two yeah. you know even three years down the line and, and i'm wondering if uh, we should start seeing where the barrels are coming from and if the uh, vendor, you know, whether it be Heaven's Hill or Jim Beam, Trace, Buffalo Trace, uh, makes a difference as well. I mean, that would be interesting if we could start tracking origins. That would be very interesting because I think each individual brand of barrel is going to put something yeah. different right because the bourbons taste differently right i mean they they have their own recipes i mean uh they age them differently yeah i think that's very true i mean we when we talked with jim mccabe he had a he had some sort of agreement with a very prominent brandy brandy barreling mm. organization so i find it fascinating the differences between the different barrels uh while we were out in michigan we actually stopped at bells andy and i did and there they had the what was it called the overland stout where it was um it was two different types of stouts that had been aged for six months in Four Roses barrels. Then they pulled that out, put it back into fresh Four Roses barrels for another year. So you're talking 18 months of just crazy, wow. crazy yeah. aging was, in these barrels. It came out, it was it was almost goopy. You know, it was, it was thick. It was, it was 18.5% too. Wow. And, it, and I'm, I'm assuming then double barreled there is the bourbon flavor has to be really strong. Then. It was incredible. Yeah, it yeah. Was, like almost drinking a glass of bourbon. Yeah, but it wasn't as hot. I mean, I think that a lot of oh, the sure. elements smooth smoothed it out, but it was, it was definitely bourbon. <laughs> a lot of bourbon. <laughs> all right, Jesus, what, any notes on this one? Well, my glass had a hole in it. It's all gone. <laughs> no, but I, like uh, Jim was saying, it, you get all those flavors of the bourbon, but I still think it's uh, maybe because it's the newest one, it's a little smoky for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So maybe the one from the previous year might have the edge taken off it, but it's, it's still very good. Um, but yeah, it's boozy. 
and I got that smoky in the aftertaste. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if that's if you guys picked up on that one. To me, I guess that's what I felt. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that 2015 uh, in Whoops. just a minute. Uh, first, let's get into some of the listener feedback. Uh, the response to the podcast has been absolutely incredible, and we thank everybody out there who's who's gotten back to us. We've got a, a couple of uh, couple of comments on Facebook that I wanted to go through first. Uh, Greg Taylor, who's a friend of the podcast from the Physics uh, Draft Beer System, he said, I'd love to see a vertical comparison of the 2015 and 2016 bourbon barrel age plead the fifth stouts from Dark Horse. Uh, the triple Weizenbach sounds really interesting from the livery, and so does the bourbon barrel age Mayan mocha and hipster brunch from Oddside. I hope you guys are thirsty. And, uh, <laughs> we're here to tell you, Greg, we're definitely thirsty. I did not drink any beer all day uh, just to save up for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I just got back from working a beer shop. <laughs> I'm just scared. But on them big boy pants, Jesus. Oh, man, it's gonna be a long night. Jesus's liver is already recoiling. <laughs> Are you ready to jump right into the 2015? Yeah. yeah. So, we're, Greg, we're getting right into the 2016 and the 2015. So we're gonna give you a really nice comparison. Let's uh, let's let's pour the 2015. Yeah. We, we are making you uh, wait till the end of the podcast for the rest of the beers you want to hear, though. <laughs> Every single one of them. All right, so this 2015 bourbon barrel aged uh, plead the fifth. Definitely the edge is a little bit off. Not so much the smoky. It's a little, still boozy, but it's a little smoother. I like it. The the barrel is definitely yeah. speaking a little louder in this one. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah, not but, yelling. It's not yelling at me, but it's it's definitely speaking. No, the edge is definitely off on this. Yeah, I mean, 2015, definitely. A lot better than 2016. It's mellowed out a lot. It's gotten a lot more character to it. The barrel characteristics have really started to come out in it. Uh, it's still not as viscous as I like it, but it's still, the taste is way better way better than the original yeah the bouquet is not as strong as the 2016 because it's it's definitely less hot i think more i'm getting more toffee and coffee notes on this and a lot of the vanilla is really coming through and uh we should say that uh, we misspoke earlier uh so we did not pick this one up at the actual event andy was able to procure this one in uh, one of his many beer trades we were actually able to pick up the 2015 burb rum which we'll be getting into next we're going to do a, a little side-by-side comparison of the 2016 Burb Rum, which is the Plead the Fifth, aged in bourbon barrels and then rum barrels. Then we're going to try the 2015 and just see see what a difference a uh, year makes on that one. But for this one right here, I, I'm, I'm going to call this one a win. This... Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I would say more of a solid non <laughs> You're a hard judge. You're a hard judge. I, I say it's a win. And again, another example of how these really big bourbon barrel-aged stouts need to uh, lay down for at least a good year. I, just, really... I just love Dark Horse. Yeah, it's no, it's favorite. really good. It's my favorite breweries. I mean, granted, they do some stuff I don't agree with, but it's, you know. <laughs> well, most breweries do. I mean, uh, they all experiment and have to appeal to multiple tastes. Yes, they do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, part of the reason that we went on this beercation, this epic beer run, was, uh, you know, because Andy is such a big fan. And, you know, with with the first child on the way, we thought it would be a nice, you know, nice last hurrah. <laughs> a little send-off. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> uh, to, to go out to Dark Horse. I mean, it was an epic weekend. Let's just talk about the weekend. We went out to Dark Horse. We did the uh, the day before the Four Elf Party, stood out in the snow for about nine hours, you know, cold and snow, just waiting for these, just waiting for the chance to get the order form to order these beers. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're out there. And that was a, an event in and of itself. Uh, let's get back to the listener feedback here. We've got Delton Buck who writes uh, that the bottle share the day before the 4 Elf Xmas party makes waiting the 10 hours in the cold worth it. As if the beer you get to buy isn't reason enough to go. I recommend a designated driver and or getting a room at a local hotel. Uh, he says that he was also part of the group that was under the picnic area right at the front. So he must have been, you know, probably first I, I guarantee we shared a couple beers with him. So you 
guys were close to the front too? We were pretty close. I think yeah. we were 22 to 25 people in. So he was probably in the, the top 15 or so. so. That's the best part about it. The line was the actual party. The four off party's huge the next day, 50 tap lines. But the bottle share alone in the line, I mean, they open the gates at 11 o'clock, you get to come in. You don't get to place your order until 6 o'clock at night. So that's wow. seven solid hours of bottle shares. And everyone, like, sort of in your, where your area is in line, you kind of mingle with everyone around you and you just share whatever the people Pe- have. And people bring their best. So I've only done the line at Black Friday, and that ends, you know, fairly early. You know, everybody gets theirs. So is there a sellout? Is there, like, a time? You have to be there till 6, I guess. It's all about bottle counts at this event. Okay. Um, they, they tell you clearly a couple days ahead of time how much they have, and you can kind of, if you do the math on it, someone said that they did the math on all the bottles they had. Yeah, and you had to be, like, they over... Released, they released the numbers on how many barrels and how many bottles of each variant that they were going to be releasing. So somebody did the actual math on that and what was it the top i think it was like yeah, people top 400 get people could get a full allotment of everything because they limit how much of certain ones you can get so, so, so you could get 40... two cases of the 2016 bourbon barrel age plead the fifth you could mm-hmm. get two four packs of the burb rum 2016 you could get two bottles of the of the burb rum 2015 you could get two bottles of the uh the 2016 barley wine yeah the uh, barley wine stout two cases of the the four pairs of legs the maple bourbon okay. barrel uh maple porter. Porter. The three, i think it was three pairs of legs and then the, the one we didn't get that one we got the six pairs of legs that's the one yeah and yeah, it was two four packs but all of a sudden then you got people spending in line to you know drop three four hundred dollars drop on a, a small fortune a small fortune on their <laughs> beer sellers so what so what sold out just within the first 40 first 400, 400 people 400. but um when we but the key is the earlier you are in line there's a pickup window the next day that starts an hour before the actual for off party starts okay mm-hmm. so they do it in half hour increments and 50 by 50s people. yeah okay and so for the first 50 people so they, they were able doing. to pick up yes. in the first they know hour. what they're doing yeah exactly and so it was more uh it was more limited on the the variations and especially the stuff from 2015 i believe they still had bourbon barrel age plead the fifth at the general store there uh you know a couple months after the event so okay. you know they make sure not to sell out of that one but it's it's the different variants the the burb rum you know that that are very restricted so that everybody can get a little bit as opposed to one person getting all of it. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a great way to do it. It was a really, really well-run event. I would say it's more fun than the Black Friday one because the Black Friday kind of snakes around a neighborhood and it's kind mm. of weird if you're drinking in front of somebody's house. With this one, it was all in the back by their uh, their huge beer garden that they've put in. It's, it's a compound, really. Absolutely They beautiful. call it the Dark Horse compound. Yeah, uh, there were 600 people at least, I know, that went through that line. Wow, well, uh, that's at least from what they told us the next day when we picked up our orders, I think it was like somewhere in the mid 600s people that actually put in an order. Oh, that's crazy. Now, you guys also got interviews as well. Uh, you were recording interviews uh, during the party. Yeah, so like we were saying, the best part of the entire uh, day was the tastings. I mean, people brought Grey Monday and Black Tuesday from the brewery. Uh, we tried some uh, Orange Julius, which is a really big up-and-coming uh, IPA, one of the best in the nation. From uh, Treehouse Brewing, yep. that's uh, which now dominates the top 10 list on rate beer and beer advocate. 
which I will withhold judgment on for a future episode. <laughs> I mean, there's a I mean, anything you can imagine. Yep, we brought a couple of Black Fridays so people could try those. It, it's really cool because we had people from Buffalo who brought all of their local beers. We had people from California who brought their local beers. People wow. from all over come to this party, and it was incredible. It was an incredible time. Now, well, Andy, I know you do beer trading. Did you make contacts there for, like, future trades? Or I made three trades while we were on the vacation. <laughs> <laughs> ones that he had set up beforehand. Yeah. Any future ones like based on that, or did you make contacts? Uh, no, I, I, I mean I still have their name, I have their okay. contacts. So you know, if they have something uh, they're looking to trade for something that I can get around here, you know, they might shoot me a shoot me a message on Facebook or something mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, I, that's how I acquired the black note we're going to taste tonight, both batches. So what did uh, what did people think about Black Friday? Oh, they really liked it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were trying a number of different uh, bourbon barrel aged uh, imperial stouts at the time. It you know. Like Jim said, it's yeah. kind of the du jour. Yeah, it was, it was hot <laughs> yeah. coming out. So, so yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was what two or three months removed from the release. So that was two or three weeks. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I thought they turned out really good. And you know, we're gonna ask a few people. So let's uh, let's get into some of the interviews here. All right, we are here at the Dark Horse Brewing. Bourbon Barrel Age, Plead the Fifth Release Party, also known as the Four Elves Party, but I've been actually calling it Beer Beer Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, Beer Christmas, because I've never been so excited to wake up so early on a December day since I was, what, 10 years old. It's been amazing. I'm here with Andy, and uh, Andy, what do you think about this event? Oh, pretty epic, man. Epic beer shares. We got a line of bottles across the picnic table, and we're about to start the second row. (laughs) So we, we traveled all the way from Milwaukee out to Marshall, Michigan, just outside of Kalamazoo. Uh, we got here at about 9.30 in the morning. Is that about right? Yeah, just about 9.30. Stopped for breakfast first. Ended up about, what were we, 21st and 22nd in line at 9.30. Doors didn't open until 11. So we were only out in the snow. Uh, we'll say it's snow this year. Last year, apparently it was 50 degrees and everybody was comfortable. We're in the snow, but, you know, for beer Christmas, I'd like to have the snow. I, I kind of like it. This is amazing. So we're going to go around right now and uh, interview a few people at this event and talk about the beer sharing program on Friday when we're just waiting for our numbers. We don't even get to pick this up until tomorrow. There's a lot of great bottles. Not too many whales, but a lot of really good bombers lined across our table that we've already tried. There's about 250, 300 people in line right now, and they don't even start releasing the order forms until 6 o'clock, and it's only (laughs) 2.30. This is going to be epic. So, uh, yeah, let's get into the interviews. All right, our first interview I'm here with... Steve Dickman. And uh, you are from? Buffalo, New York. All right, so what is your favorite uh, IPA on the table so far? On the table? Haven't been many IPAs so far. Um, that guy, that guy, oh, actually, that guy was pretty good from Witch's Hat. What else do we have? Julius, I think so far Julius probably takes it. And what was your favorite stout on the table? Ah, uh, stout. It wasn't the brewery. The brewery's a strong ale. Um, yeah, I might go Barrel Age 1050 probably is my favorite so far. And in general, uh, just in your life, what has been your favorite beer that you've ever tried? Fresh CBS. Can't touch Fresh CBS. That stuff's so good i love maple syrup so that'd be my favorite by far great one thank you all right what's uh what's your name my name is matt wagner and where are you from ann arbor michigan all right what's the uh, best ipa you've tried on the table so far the best ipa it has to be the julius or i also had a really good chicago double ipa that i i actually forget the name of. mike do you remember the name yeah it was really good it was double from daisy. yeah the double daisy cutter i think and uh your favorite stout on the table or dark uh the favorite stout i think has to be the parabola or the 
what was the other one? Yeah, there's like there we we drank like 15, but I think the parabola plus the ones that taste like the parabola are are up there. And in your life, what has been your favorite beer so far? In my whole life, plead the fifth, 2015 stout. It might change this year to a 2016, but who knows? Awesome, thank you. So, what's your name? Mike. And uh, where are you from? From Ann Arbor, Michigan. All right. And uh, what has been your favorite IPA on the table so far? I think Julius takes it, but this guy from Witch's Hat is right up there, honestly. It's doing really good things. So. Nice. And uh, your favorite stout or dark beer on the table? You know, it's surprising. My favorite was 70K from Against the Grain from Louisville. I thought that was phenomenal. If you can get the bourbon middle-aged version, go get it. It's awesome. And uh, your favorite beer in your life that you've ever tried? Pliny the Elder. I got to go with the California original. I just think it's awesome, well-balanced, perfect beer. So. Fantastic. We just tried that this past weekend and uh, we loved it we loved it's, it it's great so awesome thank you so thanks to everybody uh you know that stepped up to our microphone and uh, gave us some reviews they were uh, the, most of the people that we were around in line uh, we actually took a tour with them too that which we'll get to a little bit later uh, we're going to jump right into the next beer which is the 2016 Burbrum plead the fifth and it's actually pretty good I, I mean i really like it definitely got an interesting uh taste it's a little little off from the regular bourbon barrel age plead the fifth and i think the, the, the bourbon and the rum barrels are a fantastic mix with this one yeah do you detect any differences having been aged in two separate barrels. What? Let, let's talk about that, because that's really the, the defining characteristic of this one compared to the bourbon barrel age Plead the Fifth. Jim, any any thoughts on that one? Yeah, for me, I love smelling beers. I, I think it really imparts uh, the differences, so a different bouquet on this. Uh, some sweetness, I think, is coming from the rum barrel. Definitely. Um, Definitely some sweetness. I think a little bit muted on the roasted notes, and I guess some there's some rum flavor, I guess that's what it is. I'm not really familiar with rum age beers so there is that note back there that I'm going to just associate with uh, rum so you, kind, you of are kind of you're kind of our barrel master so is there is there a difference between the barrel used for bourbon compared to the barrel used for rum uh, there was definitely a, a difference when we were talking about the brandy barrels in the last episode with with Jim McCabe there's a huge difference between the brandy barrels and the bourbon barrels I believe brandy barrels were the French oak was that right uh yes new French oak so that means that they're uncharred and then cherry was uh, I think new American because mm-hmm. uh, they wanted to be porous, and then bourbon are charred American. Okay, so, so how, how about a rum barrel? What are, what are we dealing with? Interesting enough, rum is aged in used bourbon barrels. So actually, uh, dark rums uh, can be considered bourbon barrel aged dark rums. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so, so it comes full circle. Though. Yes, it does. So again, you got your charred American oak uh, that's used there for your dark rums. Now for your clear to light rums, uh, they're aged in stainless so they're not actually um, imparted any flavor uh, from the barrel so yeah, that makes sense uh, Jesus what, what do you think of this one well yeah this one's I mean definitely boozy for sure definitely boozy um, I, yeah I don't know how to describe the like I'm not yeah much of a, a rum guy but I feel like a spiciness. I don't know if that's a way to describe it, but there's a little bit of a bite to it. I think that makes some sense. You know what like I mean? Like a spiced rum kind, yeah, of, like a kind spice, of a flavor? Yeah, like I said, I'm not a rum guy, but um, it's it's boozy and you can get that in, in the back end. You know, I, I would challenge that because you love rum chata. I, I would also challenge that it's not rum. <laughs> <laughs> that is not rum. That's an accurate statement. <laughs> I do love rum chata. You know, no, the, but, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. It has that little bite at the end, and man, that is, uh, that's boozy. That's, yeah. That's all I 
can say it. And when I taste stuff like this, and I know there's one after, I just I just can't wait because I want to see if the edge is taken off. Yeah, 2015, yeah. right after this one. You know, the, the yeah. only point of reference I have for something like this is a, a good friend of ours. He's brought a few times to, you know, different uh, different sporting events and, you know, Super Bowl parties and things like that. It's a, it's a scotch that's been aged in rum barrels. So you get, like, the smokiness of the scotch, mm-hmm. but you're also getting this really sweet, very smooth rum flavor as well. It's it's one of the best uh, scotches that I've ever tried. I don't know exactly what the name of that is, but uh, hopefully I can come up with it for a future podcast. Well, hey, this is yeah. beer, this is a beer podcast, so but, yeah. you don't have to know. But yeah, uh, shout out to, uh, to thank you to Ben Stocks for coming up with that liquor. It's really the only jumping off point I have for this beer, and uh, it's it's a good point of reference to have. Andy, let's get into the 2015 Burb Rum. All right. Whoa. Right. Super yeah. fruity. Yeah, boys. Let, cheers. Cheers. Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Jesus, what do you think of this one? It, there's a market difference between this one and the twenty sixteen. Yeah. Immediate reaction. I don't feel it's the same beer. I honestly don't. It's. Um, do you it's, think they tweak the recipe, or, or is I it just believe, the aging? I don't believe they they would. I, I, or I else would be totally different. I would say it's the barrel. Okay, so you think there is something slightly different? It's, I think it's just the different aging. company, different rum company. No, the, that or you know, honestly, it could be that the year of aging has allowed the rum barrel come in way over the top now yeah, if that's the case the barrel's yelling on this one it's not just it's just not just speaking it's no it's, it's smooth what a drastic difference in it's, one it's totally smooth though smooth it's super it's, smooth yeah you're getting like fruit elements to it's it. super fruity you know not just getting smooth, that like, super fruity. not just that spiced rum element but it's it, there's like a real fruitiness to Oddly it. oddly enough i don't feel that that spiciness because i did in the almost like the aftertaste mm-hmm. i don't get it now but the smell is way more intense this is like a rum filled date almost oh okay yeah i'm actually almost getting like a I, I hate to say this but like a pumpkin actually you know this reminds me a little bit of the sasquatch where you get the sweet grilled sweet potato you know you're not but that it's far not off. spiced mm-hmm. yeah you're not that far off like a and maybe that's why i like and it. and that's why i think the rum barrel <laughs> is really coming through here i think they may have kept the rest of the barrels the same but it's just that year I just of aging i can't believe just, i can't believe in like, one year it's different that different well, it I, it's completely different. i can't wait for a year from now when we're doing our, our our year in review episode and hopefully we can get a, a 2017 burb rum and see see if how that's changed or even get a 2016 that's been aged a year and see if it's the same market difference you know we can go back replay some of our thoughts on this one and uh and give our thoughts on on the next series it, it's really going to be a fantastic yeah. Andy, what do you think i mean it's just really good it's yeah, a, lot, be, this be, is a what, lot better than 2016 that's yeah like, if this is what the 2016 is going to turn into then lay down your burb rums but like, oh. kind of the challenge, your little, I guess, your statement is, yeah, I wonder if that 16 will, in fact, taste like this. If there is a difference in the barrels, if there's a difference in the recipe, I just think it tastes so different. Something kind of, has to be different. What kind of flavors do you guys think are coming out of here? To me, it's it's like date, fig, raisiny flavors. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. With with the rum just, like, poured over the top. Of yeah, it's it's like a port wine compared to a, a wine, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Much more pronounced flavors. No, it's I, like, I don't have the words right now. No, as it kind of traps... I think of the beer as the traveling, you know, it's, you smell it, you get that first taste and the aftertaste. It's like you get different levels of taste as you go through. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, no, so it's really good. The, the nose is reduced, uh, as you would expect during aging, but the the flavors yeah. cascading over the palate. Yeah, no, it's uh, very good. It's really aged exceptionally. I wish we could have gotten more than two bottles, two 12-ounce bottles of this per, so there is yeah. per, per person. So there is more for next year. Okay. Yeah. 
There's one more. I have, that'll be I in, have, my, in my uh, <laughs> that'll be in my cellar, and we will uh, do that one a year from now. Uh, we'll year. see. So I got two too. Okay, that I haven't touched. Awesome. Yeah. Right. So we'll, we'll we have some for next year. Breaking news. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And speaking of the aging process, let's get into some more listener feedback. Uh, this one comes from Scott Kempen here in Milwaukee. So Scott writes, "I love the show. Just listen to episode two. Super fun. I am interested in starting a serious beer collection. I want to know how to cellar beer. What temp? Bottle on its." side or upright how do you know when to drink the beer at its peak what is the best stuff to sell it right now what would make for a good vertical tasting in the future is there a place where i can cheat and buy some perfectly aged beer <laughs> can i sell my aged beer for huge profit i like the idea that you will post the beers that you'll be sampling in the next podcast and finally i don't have to be the sober guy listening to my friends brag about the really good beer i can have a beer with you guys i've been liking the origin stories of the recipes and the name of these beers from the people that invented them very cool keep it up and take over signed friend of the show scott kempen so thank Thank you again, Scott. Thank you for reaching out to us. And these are some really, really interesting questions. We've been kind of hitting this podcast from maybe an expert's perspective. You know, not that we're experts. <laughs> we just but drink a lot. We just, we've been practicing for this for years. <laughs> uh, but I guess we, our, our, our target audience has been more people who are already into this sort of stuff. Mm. But we've also got a lot of people who are just getting into it. So for those people, uh, Jim, let's let's talk about the cellaring process. What, what can you tell us? Yeah. So uh, first of all, to start off, I mean, we've started off our first two episodes with big big beers uh though most of us are really and, and big big brewers as well and big big brewers yes uh, and we've done a lot of beers that require cellaring and we've talked with uh ross about his symbol that he's uh doing to indicate cellaring but we should point out that the vast majority of beers should be drunk as fresh as possible. Uh, so that beers that need to be cellared are actually a minor, no, minority, um, which is part of why Russ wants to put a, a symbol on there to indicate why you should be, and which ones you should be cellaring. So. Yeah, what did Russ say? He said somewhere over 8%, eight, eight but even is, 10% yes. is a little more optimal. Uh, anything over 10%. I think the, yep. the, the, big, the big part of it for me is the high alcohol and if it's not the hoppy beers. The hoppy beers you drink right away. Yeah, hoppy beers. Beers you want to drink as yeah. soon as possible. So there are really three classifications of beers that are eligible to be aged. Okay, what are those three? They are strong, so 8% is really the minimum. You want to shoot for 10 or above. Sours are another beer that really need to be aged. And the third one is smoked beers, uh, especially your German Rausch beers uh, should also be laid down for some time as well. That, that makes some sense because I've had some smoked porters where it, it's like I'm sucking on a, an ashtray. You know, it's just so smoky. <laughs> yeah, they definitely need to be laid down to kind of mellow out. And as we've seen with the the barrels, uh, get real, rid of that some of that hotness uh, from the alcohol. And again, with smokes, you want to mellow that out. And with the sours, uh, they contain yeast and bacteria uh, that really require extra time to uh, do their work and work their magic. I'll say that when we were at the livery, uh, so most of the offerings at Dark Horse and the other places that we went to were, you know, pretty, pretty basic, you know, imperial stouts and those sort of things. But when we were at the livery, I would say the vast majority of the, the bourbon barrel age stuff that they had available uh, at their special release bottle party were, were sours. Would you say that's right, Andy? 
candy? Uh, yeah, sours, actually, even though I'm not a big fan of sours, they do interest me. Because if you're looking at like a barrel-aged imperial stout or a strong ale, you're not going to lay that down for more than 10 to 12 years. There's a lot of people that will transition their collections into sours because you can lay those down for decades. Yes, uh, in fact, a uh, Cantillian Lambic will lay down for 20 years. Wow. Um, which is, is pretty normal. And then for like a uh, Chimay Blue, like Grand Reserve, you really don't want do more than like 10. One of Scott's questions is, uh, how do you know how long to lay it down for and when is it going to hit its peak? You have to do your research a little bit, uh, know what beer you're laying down. Uh, I would say that a lot of beers uh, are probably going to be six months to two years. Uh, I think it's really for us Americans here. Um, we've got a lot of stouts here. So I think two, three years is probably your max on these. Uh, as you saw with the 2013 Black Friday IPA, uh, that was way past its prime. I mean, that shouldn't have been different laid, sort of beer. <laughs> laid, yeah. laid down at all. Because yeah. uh, we tasted a lot of those notes. Uh, when a beer is past its prime, it goes stale. You get a lot of papery, kind of wet cardboard uh, flavors. And actually, I thought that was one of the, the most interesting parts of the interview with Jim McCabe uh, from Milwaukee Brewing Company is when he was talking about the, the Stone Anniversary series where mm-hmm. you can you can actually go online. They have a site where you can check out people's reviews of the beer as they're, you know, like when they're drinking it and how it's tasting. So Stone basically catalogs all of that for you. So you can see when those windows are occurring. You know, yeah. because all the beers brewed at the same time, so it should all be aging, factoring in you know the, the cellar conditions and everything. It should be aging about the, the same time. Colder cellar is going to actually prevent some of the aging, but then a warmer cellar might actually speed up some of that aging. So there are differences in in the actual cellar conditions that can affect the beer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, too cold. I mean, if you're cellaring in a fridge uh, at 35 degrees, it's going to take a really long time to age your beers. And then again, if you're too hot, it's going to age way too fast. Plus, you're going to get off and stale flavors. Uh, So you really want to be between 50 and 60 degrees is your optimal temperature. And if you can have a separate refrigerator or a root cellar or a, you know, space in your basement, uh, for those of us here in the Midwest that have basements, if you can keep between 50 and 60 degrees. Also, another thing to consider is humidity. Very very similar to wine, you want to have a high humidity area so really between 50 and 70 percent uh that help keep all of that alcohol and flavors capped in the bottle and not evaporating out especially if you're dealing with a cork a cork situation yes. is going to be losing air you know mm. uh, so it's it's good that that cork stays uh wet or at least you know hydrated that one you put on your side on that side so i you would for wine this is i think where wine and beer differentiate and my personal opinion is that all beer should be stored upright including those corked one, uh beers my preference is because a lot of these beers that are aged are bottle conditioned so you've got uh yeast and sediment that's going to be in the beer and you want all that to settle on the bottom so and if you've got proper humidity a cork beer uh, is going to be just fine you don't need the liquid from the beer itself to keep that the cork lasting as long and if you're really going to keep a beer for a really really long time you're going to recork it anyways uh, like you would a wine so like a really 100 year wine should probably have been recorked twice in its lifetime Man, so, I don't have that kind of patience man. yeah I don't well no, <laughs> no one has 100 no, but, years to yeah, lay down so, right but so my um, advice to Scott also is if you like beer drink it yes and that's something that jim said 
said, uh, he kind of corrected me and said, you can never drink a beer too soon. You can only drink it too late. So that's the other thing. And there's been a bit, as I was researching some of this, there's been a lot of pushback or backlash on cellaring beer from a certain segment. I'm not sure where it is, but there's posts on it and such. There's a lot of back and forth. I mean, like if you look at barrel-aged stouts as opposed to just regular stouts. Okay. So a regular stout, I'd agree, is if you're not drinking that within two years, you probably shouldn't, you know, it's going to go bad on you. But a barrel yeah. age, that can extend out to that maybe six, seven, eight year range. So if you actually did a, a Bourbon County YouTube video where they did like the whole line of Bourbon County. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had the whole that. line since it started. You know, oddly enough, which one did they say was the best one? I think that was, a, was like the first one, wasn't no, it? No, was, they said the 2016 was the best yeah, one. Yeah, wow. <laughs> the last one. But you know what I'm the saying? The one that was still for that's, sale. That's Anheuser-Busch. Sounds like propaganda. Marketing. Yeah, exactly. Actually, uh, Stone did the same thing with their vertical. I don't know which one they picked, but they had everything from, was it 2001 or 2002, all the way to 2012 that they did, and they had kept them all. That's incredible. uh, So a pro tip here in cellaring is to... Tips from the pros. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Buy multiple bottles. Oh, yeah, that's... that's, Go ahead, drink one, you know, within, uh, I would say, at least a month of buying it, and then... Get a feel. At least you get it. Uh, one of the articles I was reading, there's a gentleman online who said, I'm done with cellaring because I bought uh, three bottles of Jester King and laid them down for 18 months and they were all bad. So I never got to experience, you know, and he bought them already aged somewhat. So uh, keep up on the news either. Sometimes infected batches get out there and if you wait too long, there's a certain time period where you can be able to return it. Otherwise, you're, you know, yeah. you're SOL. Yeah, so, Goose Island dealt with that yeah. uh, in 2015. It, it was... No, it was the last year. Was yeah, it 2016? No, it was yeah, 40% 20, of their batch. It was, it was really 2015. 2015. Oh, was it 2015? Yeah, 2015. Yeah, okay. I mean, you, you, expect to, you expect to lose a certain amount of your batch, but not the entire thing. Uh, I mean, I, I'd be interested to know, uh, right now, Central Waters is ha- holding their anniversary party. Uh, as you know, as we're speaking, uh, as we're recording on the Saturday night, uh, Central Waters is ha- holding their anniversary party, and they're known for pushing the edge on how long you can age something. They, their black gold is aged for three years in bourbon barrels. I mean, they're well, really... Really, really pushing the edge on that stuff. But uh, so they expect to lose a certain amount of that batch every year. You know, some barrels are going to go bad. It's just it's the nature of the beast. When you add air to the to the fermentation process and add air to the aging process, things are going to happen. You mm. know, th- unexpected consequences are going to happen. Sometimes they're amazing consequences, and it makes the beer taste better. Other times, it's you know, it's a little bit questionable. So yeah. y- you expect to lose a certain amount. But Goose Island in 2015 lost a, a, a good portion of, of their. That's a big chunk. Yeah. Did we hit on uh, all of Scott's questions? So I would say I've got one more. You want to make sure in your cellar that it is dark. Yes. Uh, light is the enemy of beer. So you want to make sure in, putting it in a box can help with that. Yep. Uh, the color of the bottle really affects that. Like yep. people talk about how skunky Heineken beer is, and part of that is because it's it's in a green bottle, which mm. lets the most amount of light in. So yeah, second only to a clear bottle. Yeah, like it, a Newcastle. It only blocks twenty five percent of the UV. So, yeah, so yeah. a dark brown bottle is really your best bet. Also, so, something people may not be aware of, uh, they may have it in a dark corner, but they may have fluorescent lights. Fluorescent light is also a really bad light source for beer. 
beer. So you want to make sure you're either incandescent or LED. Good call. Good tip. So pro guess, tip there. I guess the other thing, <laughs> it's hard to keep up with all your beer. And if you do have some hoppy stuff, I like Jim was saying earlier, I just, if I'm not going to get to it, I just throw it in the fridge right away. I have another <laughs> fridge that just prolongs that process, you know, because yeah. I know it's not going to, yeah. I'm not aging it, but I'm not, I'm preventing it from getting skunky or bad. Yeah. Another pro yes. tip. Get yourself a beer fridge. Yeah. <laughs> beer fr- yeah. Because I mean, that's the, yeah, if it's a higher alcohol and fits the criteria that Jim said, I don't put it in the fridge. I just age it, you know? Yep. And then but if, if I know if it's hoppy and I'm like, damn it, I'm not going to get to this, throw it in the fridge. And I know it, it's going to, it's going to last a while. I, yeah. I'm still not going to age it for three years, but I know I have a little bit more time to get to it. Yeah. And actually for all uh, bottled beer, uh, if it's refrigerated, it can be good up to six months. Mm-hmm. Um whether it be pasteurized or non-pasteurized, uh, I think for non-pasteurized, I think you want to do it uh, 45 days is your really max there. So uh, another pro tip here uh, for your beers that are cellared, place a sticker neck tag on it and with a date, uh, especially if you plan on growing your cellar. And we've got some folks that I'm sure have hundreds of bottles in their beer cellar. You start to forget, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you drink too many uh, 10% beers. Uh, so tag them. So what would you put on that tag? Would you say this is when I bought it, this is when it was bottled, or? This, this this is, is when date. I should drink it. This is the date when I put it down. Okay, yes. that's yes. smart. And actually, I was going to start because I got so much scattered around. I was going to organize it, like put the higher alcohol on one end so I can slowly get to it, you know? Because right now it's all sprinkled and I don't know what's what. That's smart. That's yeah, smart. so I'm going to put higher alcohol like on one end and slowly start to lower alcohol hoppy so I can get to that first. Um, I am interested in this last part of Scott's question. Uh, and this one I'm going to throw to you, Andy, because you're a resident trader. Scott asks, is there a place where I can cheat and buy some perfectly aged beer? And can I sell my aged beer for huge profit? Now, you, you kind of eschew the the selling of beer and the buying of of aged beers but you're all about the trading so what what can you tell us about that well i mean you can assess trade value you can buy them off of my beer seller beerblackbook.com will be able to give you an approximate value in recent sales Uh, i kind of use that to assess different trade value just kind of make sure i'm not getting ripped off but if you really want something in a trade you're gonna make a trade for it i've you know i've had stuff that i've given away that people are like oh my god they're from a different state they can't get they don't have access to it it's way easier for me to get where they're gonna give me a ton of ton of ton of their beer for it and i'm like yay i made out and there's been other ones where i've probably given up because i really wanted that beer to begin with um, a lot of people i mean there's there's kind of a stigma against just buying it outright um if you're on a lot of these trading uh facebook pages people really get after each other on them too for all oh, you're getting ripped off that's a terrible trade <laughs> you know don't people comment on other people's trades and i think that's really the fun part of this listener feedback section is that what we We've done in the first two episodes is we've sat down to try and get to know some of the big brewers here in town in Milwaukee. But this third episode tasting allows you as listeners to get to know us, your podcasters. So please make sure to send us your questions and your thoughts on the beers we're drinking at taptakeoverpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, T-A-P-T-A-K-E-O-V-E-R-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And we'll continue to post our tap list before we podcast so you can orient your comments and even drink along with us while you listen to your podcast. So what do we have up next? On the taps here, Jesus. Well, we're, we took away the barrel, and we're doing Plead the Fifth uh, 2016, 2015. We're going to just do them side by side so real quick. No rum barrels, no No rum barrel, barrels. just bareback. Just raw, naked. Raw. <laughs> <laughs> we're going raw dog on these two. <laughs> so what, what, what are your first impressions of the 2016? Definitely 
It's almost the same feeling they had with the, the bourbon barrel, but it's not boozy. So you still get the smokiness. You still get, it's a more mellow taste. I, I love it. The yeah. roasty, yeah. The, the roasted malts are really coming off And this. maybe I can do like a couple of these instead of, you know, it's it's more mellow. I, I just would consider it more mellow, not so boozy, but still smoky. You still get that flavor. Yeah, I mean, it's not really as complex because you're, you're missing a couple levels of flavor that the oak barrel imparts, but mm-hmm. uh, you get more of the malt and the different roasted notes that it imparts. Yeah, it just it's mellow. I mean, that's the best way I can describe it. It's just mellow. Yeah. It's mellow, but it's also super powerful. Coming in at over 11%. Well, maybe it's because we've had what we've had. Yes, that, but it's you're it's, not getting that bourbon taste. You're not getting the barrel taste. Yeah. But I'll tell you what: when you put it through that physics machine, the, the head tastes like chocolate milk. Yeah, you still really get that does. nice cascade effect. Mm-hmm. Effect with the the dark beer. It's it, I'm very impressed with the 2016. Now let's let's check out the 2015. Oh, che- cheers, boys! That's oh, yeah, smooth. cheers. That's smooth. Yeah, yeah. Again, uh, another year has really helped this beer a lot. Oh man, yeah. It's what a difference a, a year it's makes. A regular stout. A, a lot more of the uh, minor notes are coming through. Yeah, so we're not we're not talking about barrel notes coming through. We're just talking about minor yeah. notes in the beer that are coming mm-hmm. through now. So instead of the the, I, w- I would say the 2016 tastes more roasty, but I would yeah. say that the roastiness has kind of settled into oh, the beer sure. now, and we're just getting like I don't know, just very distinct notes of barley and chocolate. I mean, you can almost it's just Chocolatey. Yeah, chocolatey. You, you can almost yeah. differentiate the, the different uh, malts and things that were used in here. It, it's I'm getting chocolate. I'm getting a little bit of... It's the swing from like the smoky to chocolatey. Yeah. You know what I mean? And a little bit more fruit, too. I yeah, think exactly. some of the raisin, yeah. date, Ooh. flavors are coming through as well. I, I like the viscosity of them, too. They're, they're a little more thick viscous than, than yep. the bourbon barrel-aged ones. And uh, if you actually look at the bottom of the bottles, you're going to see some of, the, some of the leftovers of the chocolate and just the viscosity of... Oh, go- just the sediment. Just sediment gooping on the bottom. So are we are we in agreement that the 2015 tastes better than 2016? But most likely same recipe. I, I can't think that they're changing that. But just that year of aging is it, it made all the difference. Can we agree on that? Yep, yep. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely agree yep. on that. All right. Up next, we've got no, we've got uh, the four guy bourbon barrel aged. So we've got the bourbon barrel aged four guy, which is an imperial Russian barley wine stout. And then Andy, what is that? Uh, six pairs of legs. Six pairs of legs it's a maple bourbon barrel aged maple porter so it was aged in bourbon barrels and uh, maple maple syrup barrels maple bourbon barrels maple bourbon barrels <laughs> don't understand a whole lot of maple don't understand <laughs> a lot of that's where the six pairs of legs come from. all right well let's put a bow on this dark horse excursion and let's do the six pairs of legs first and then we'll end with the four guys barley wine imperial stouts which i've never even heard of that style so uh let's finish with that one what do we think about the six pairs of legs uh jim any thoughts yeah no it's it's really tasty uh the maple uh, adds great sweetness to the porter um it's not overly roasty uh which is interesting i would say that that maple it gives it kind of a velvety <clears throat> texture I, am, am i crazy in thinking that it's really really smooth like you said velvety like biscuity undertones what do you think hazers man i what is the maple's al- what, intense what's the alcohol in this the it's alcohol sweet, in this roasty. is it's it's, un- it's actually lower. it's only 8.25 so it's right right on the edge of of sellerability, right? Yeah. We said eight is, is yeah. what you need. 
So this is right on that edge. I wouldn't sell this at all. I oh, love really? This. I no, this is it. no, but I just love this. This is I, I don't know. Yeah. I can't imagine it getting sweeter because when you age something, you want it to get sweeter, get smoother. This is sweet. This, this is, is very smooth. smooth. Yeah. This is an awesome I'm, color. I'm, I'm getting it's a lot like, of grape too. Uh, kind yeah. of white wine. That white wine kind of. Sweetness. I was gonna say honestly, it's like it actually has a really nice color too. I mean, I, I actually uh, for Christmas this year I gave a four pack of this. You know, we were only able to pick up two four packs. I gave one of those four packs to my girlfriend's brother-in-law uh he actually does his own uh syrup he, he taps his own maple trees makes his own syrup so he was really excited about putting these away and doing one of them when he when he actually does the tapping and the whole process to make the syrup and then putting the rest of them away for next year and see how they change and, you know maybe drinking another beer here and there <laughs> but uh but yeah he's he's really looking forward to it yeah, a little shout out to uh to peter hartz no but i i honestly would think this is what you would taste if you aged it because it's sweet i kind of do too because you know i honestly mean? Like when we first got back in December, I actually opened one of these. I was just intrigued by what it would taste like. It actually tastes exactly the same today as it did early December. But it has the consistency of I'm looking at it is almost like a wine, like Jim was saying. Like it doesn't have that fizziness of the southern. It doesn't beer. have a. You it, know what I'm saying? It doesn't have a lot of that Belgian. Super quick on it. Yeah. That Belgian lacing. There's not as much of it. It's thicker, but it's not thick. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's a syrupy quality to it. It's the syrup barrels. I, I think mean, that's a good way to describe it. If you, think, if you think about the syrup, I mean, the syrup barrels, like whenever whenever a, a brewery's going to get barrels from a distillery with actual liquor barrels, bourbon, gin, brandy, what what have you, there, there's going to be some left over in the bottom of the barrel, okay? Which usually they dump out into bottles and the employees take home. Then they put their, after they're done testing it, then they put their, their liquid in it to eat. So the maple syrup barrel, I don't care how long you have the thing upside down, you're not <laughs> getting all the syrup out of the barrel. Yeah, yeah. good call. Uh, absolutely. I, I would though start to question, though, aging this, though, because it is... Is uh, involving maple syrup and it's obviously got maple syrup in it. That may oxidize a lot more quickly than you know, something that's just a straight bourbon barrel. Do you think the sweetness will fall away a little bit and become a little more subtle? I, can't, I cannot imagine this getting. I would actually think yeah. that may be what happens yeah. here. If I had a hazard to guess, it, it, uh, there's going to be some yeast um, that's going to be active. Uh, a couple guys still alive in there. They're going to eat away at any sugar that's still available, and maple syrup is easily fermentable. I mean, the, the way I can describe this as if it were almost like a simulated aged beer. Like this is what a you know, six year beer would taste like ish. Wow. You know okay. what I'm saying? It's like it's just sweet. It, it doesn't have a lot of fizz to it. You know, it's it just yeah. has a lot of those qualities that you would think of an aged beer. Well, that's an interesting take. What uh, What is your take on the next one we've got here? The Barley Wine Imperial Stout. This is Imperial Russian stout. Jim, yeah. you, you did so, a little bit of research. Is there a single other competitor on the market for, it, for this? It does look like the does appear to be something out of uh, Chicago Brewing Company. They're about the only ones I've been able to find that has a barley wine slash stout. So this is more uh, barley wine than stout. <laughs> I'm going to hazard a guess. Yeah, but I'm. They're calling it a slash stout because it is much darker, darker. than a, a regular That's barley what it wine. Has. It's thick. One of my favorite beers is Bridge Burner by oh, sure. Lakefront. Lakefront, which is a American strong friend of the ale, show. Friend of the show. <laughs> uh, slash barley wine, and it is not nearly this dark. Uh, especially that head. That's a stout. Head so maybe perhaps they add uh, more darker barley but in in the mix. Really the grain bill. The stout, the stout part of it is purely aesthetic. It's it's the head, it's the darkness, yeah. and but I don't think it's the taste. The taste is totally barley wine. Yes, it is. It's you a know, very. There's sweet. really not. I mean, yeah, it looks. I almost feel like they call it slashed out because it looks like it. 
I'm, laying, I'm I'm sitting in here. It looks like it's dark. It has the fizz to it, just like a stout would. But man, it is, there is nothing stout about the taste. Well, Jesus, I, I would I would disagree when you say this is more barley wine than stout because I I'm actually not a huge fan of the barley wine style. And this one I can really get into. So it's definitely different than a barley wine. I kind of like the fact that it's a little darker, that it's a little a little bit roasty, not over the top. I mean, not into the plead the fifth yeah, kind of territory, yeah. but there's roastiness to it that I don't get out of a lot of barley wines but which are still, te- yeah, t- but typically a little sweeter yeah yeah but i think the sweetness is to me is so overpowering in this that it's more i guess that that's the only angle i'm coming at it from so i don't I, what do you guys think is it more barley wine than stout i mean do I you mean, guys sense the stout my, my take on it is it's it's very sweet it's got that thickness and viscosity to it that a stout has it also has the smoky charred flavors that a stout has that are kind of coming in on the back end after the sweet yeah. okay you're clocking in at a high 13.6 abv on this thing which you know that's right up barley wine's alley yeah but still it's pouring out that pitch black yeah. it's got the nice tan head really, really good lacing. i do yeah. agree with andy in that back end the, the stout the, comes the smell, in on the back end the smell the initial taste all barley wine appearance and the back end stout okay i think that's accurate I, you know what i mean an interesting little story too i mean these guys do different things with stouts okay we're we're higher up in the line count for the people in line okay an actual brewery reps would come out they came out throughout the day on their breaks and brought stuff that wasn't available to the public so they they'd let us sample some of the stuff that that has happened in years past we'd give them you know we, we gave them a couple bottles of fantasy factory and uh, velveteen habit from wisconsin we tried a uh, blood orange stout it was just, weird <laughs> it was orange it had the thickness it tasted like a stout but it was almost like an orange dream sickle it was pure orange beer it was, it was, it was, un- it was unlike anything i've ever tasted it was, it was, it was incredibly really weird to be drinking it and you're like this is beer and it actually has the the mouthfeel the taste of a stout but you're also tasting that orange dreamsicle it's it's one of those weird things like have you guys ever had a a lighter colored stout that they do these things like a blonde stout where they're getting like all of the the coffee and the roasted flavors but not any of the darkness like it that's kind of the only thing i can compare it to when you look at something and you expect it to taste like one thing but then it ends up tasting like something completely different it's just it's a little bit mind-blowing it just fucks with you man it fucks with yeah, it. It definitely <laughs> does. Honestly, for me, I'm not a big fan of this. It's a little too sweet oh, for me. Okay. Um, uh, too much can, of the can barley we just wine. Pause comes so I can stab Jim. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no I, I, mean, I really like it because I, I like the sweetness. I like the different yeah. uh, the different perspectives on it. This this would be the first one where any of us has had a, a, a different opinion. So a I want to hear on, Jim. Give me the breakdown. Yeah, so, uh, the nose is really nice. I mean, it's a unique nose, great uh, smell, but as soon as I taste it, it's really sweet like i mean it's a little sickly sweet for me cloyingly sweet yeah okay um and it, it, there's no roasted notes from at least on my palate uh, mm-hmm. i'm getting Not no roast nah, like, nothing hmm. i'm getting alcohol <laughs> and sweetness so are, are you saying let, let's break this down are you saying that you don't like it because it's a barley wine and you don't like barley wines or are you saying that as a stout barley wine combination you're kind of not on board with that at least this iteration i'm not really on board because i'm not getting enough roasted notes to say it's a stout yeah. i mean it's toned down from most barley wines but it's i mean i think we can all agree it's more barley wine <laughs> i mean it's definitely more barley oh, yeah. wine. It's, it's definitely, definitely more barley wine i just i get that stout on the back end and it's that's it. it's you Unique. I've, I don't think I've had anything like this because I've, I've never heard of anything like this. No, but it's, hey, it's, cheers. it's unique. Yeah. Cheers to something yeah. unique, boys. Cheers. No, cheers this, is, uh, this is definitely a treat, man. 
And so I think next we're going to dive right into the Bell's Black Note 2016. We're going to do batch one and batch two. But before I want to tap we... out so bad. Oh, no, no. we got a ways to go. We're do- This is brewery number one we just finished. Uh, okay. But we're going to give you... those big boy pants. All right, well, that takes care of Dark Horse Brewing. And I, I think we've told all of our stories. We've uh, we've listened to our interviews. And that Four Elf Party, just to, you know, just to wrap it up, was amazing. And I encourage anybody who's able to go to go check it out. It was December 9th of this past year, 2016. I assume it'll be around the same time next year. And what's really fun about that is we've got all of these other big release parties that same weekend. So we were able to check out Bells. Uh, they had, what, what was the release party that they had had about a week earlier? It was their eccentric, uh, the Bells eccentric party. Yeah. We didn't care for the beer that came out of that, but we do have some stuff for here from, from Bells. So what do we have on, on tap right now? So what we have is we have the only, only it's only one beer, but it's it's uh, two batches. It's the 2016 Black Note. Highly, highly sought after. It's supposedly readily available in Michigan right when the releases are. Limited quanti- quantities will uh, filter out to their distribution network. They're charging, you know, six ninety nine a bottle, 12-ounce bottle for this stuff. And most liquor stores that it hits. So actually, I was not even aware of this beer uh, before studying for this uh, this episode. So what is this? I mean, I'm aware of many of the Bell Stouts. But... It's, a, it's actually a release they do every two years. So every two years, they release the black note and what it is it's it's a it's a blend of their expedition stout and their two cream stout that they then go ahead and oh, the, barrel the double, the double, the, the, cream, the double cream yeah one of my favorites yeah. you, can, you can taste that man. They, they they blend it together and then they barrel age it and the result is a beautiful concoction if i may say yeah they're doing some amazing things at bells and we were lucky enough you know we talked about it earlier we were lucky enough to go to bells it you know it's the middle of the winter so not a lot of people hanging out in their their gorgeous uh, beer garden but it's there I mean, if you're there at Bell's in the spring or the summer, you got to check out that beer garden. It's absolutely beautiful. So, Jim, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on this one? What, what are you picking up? Uh, so, I'm I'm really liking this. Now, this, to me, is really speaking to me as a stout. It's nice and dry. Are you talking batch one, batch two? Let's differentiate for our, for our listeners. I mean, they look almost identical. They're pouring just jet black, mm. just completely opaque. Beautiful, beautiful head on both. I think the head on the uh, the second batch might be a little thicker than well, the head we, on the first yeah. batch. Well, that was because it was we did through the physics. physics. Oh, okay. Oh, so, yeah. that so, that was that a little definitely... bit more, and I don't know if it's, if it's the physics itself I could, that's the taste that, what, I, something about it tastes different it's I like more milky side more... by side more of the double cream stout is coming out in batch two yeah. than it is in batch one yeah maybe that's it i am liking batch two a lot yeah i really like batch two and again we put batch two through the physics so that might be <laughs> partly I, I because of, of the physics I put, but christmas i put i did i did full pour of each i think yeah, it always okay. goes back <laughs> i think it always goes back to the smell because when you aerate it you get that big head on yeah. it 70% of yeah taste you, the smell. You, you just it just but tastes a little different you know not, not to say I, that batch one tastes bad because no 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 it's, it's still really delicious. good you can get more this of is what I love about stouts though I mean huge roasted notes coffee toffee vanilla the oak coming through they are bourbon, bourbon barrel aged yep. okay. freshly so, retired bourbon so it's you know I think the barrel shines through we don't know I don't have an exact timing of when they were bottled if the batches were in different barrels 
what was the percentage of the blends? Do we know the alcohol in this? Uh, 11 and a half. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, yeah, that, I can, yeah these uh, are. <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting a lot more of the barrel, though, in batch one. And it's yes. the creaminess. And I believe from batch one to batch two, there is a little variation. How much did you say was the ABV? 11 and a half. And I think, so, yeah, these I think are it was monsters. a little lower in batch two, honestly. I think one was 11.3. So, ba- so, batch one and two, no difference in recipe other than like a different batch. Literally like a different batch. Literally a different batch. Yeah, so then the difference in ABV would all be about efficiency. Yeah. You know, how much were fermentable sugars, uh, were they able to get off that batch? So for those who don't know uh, much about the brewing process, uh, when you mash a beer, you have to mash it at a certain temperature in order to get enzymes to activate to transform the starches in the grains into fermentable sugars. If you ferment it or mash it <laughs> at a lower temperature, the enzymes are going to chomp those uh, long starches into smaller bits uh, at a higher temperature uh, you're going to get more unfermentables which is going to give you a lower ABV but more body so dryness to sweetness basically you're never going to be able to exactly hit the same temperature every time so you're going to get a two percentage especially in the gallons of uh, level that Bells makes right okay so on the bottles it actually says so it was batch one came in at 11.2 and batch two came in at 10.8 oh okay huh. Okay, it's that's just, interesting. That's, that's weird. Well, then the internet lies. <laughs> really? For, first time I'm hearing that. I'm shocked. Breaking news. Breaking news, <laughs> breaking people. News. This is our one breaking news <laughs> for this, this is episode. This journalism. <laughs> the internet. <laughs> we caught you, internet. We no, this you. is this is awesome. No, I really like these smooth. It's very delicious. Just a great, just a great treat. I, th- I, th- I don't know how else to describe it. It's like a really nice. It's just like a dessert. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel yeah, like it is. Yeah, no, I mean, it's expensive. It's almost like but a port wine it. or something. I don't know how to describe it. It's like very sweet, very, I don't know, smooth. I, I, I can't wait to get an interview with uh, some of the head brewers at Bell's. Uh, you no. know, to really talk about this, talk about some of their other experimental beers. Uh, Bell's is doing some amazing things. Yeah. And they've been I, doing it a long time, too. We, we just went through Dark Horse, and we'd love to get that We're interview, one of the first, too. Right? We, we'll, maybe we'll have to take a little Michigan trip, all four of us, and, yeah. uh, and get some of these interviews down on Wax, right? And if we take a trip like that, we're definitely going to have to stop in on the at the livery uh jim i think this place is right up your wheelhouse you're a fan of the the german styles yep. i mean we're talking right now so again they had mostly sours on on their beer list i kind of wish we had picked some of them up <laughs> because we're eventually going to do that sour episode and these were bourbon barrel aged sours so I'm, I'm kind of excited about them but at the same time we talked about how we had limited room in the car and we just couldn't pick them all up so we went with the most german you know kind of <laughs> kind of in your vein so we went with a doppelbuck we went with a schwarzbier a, a black ale and we also went with the triple weisenbach which which has won some awards tell us about those oh uh, yeah so the uh triple weisenbach has won gold in the right beers week category uh but first up is the doppelbach uh and which is one of my favorite styles i love a freaking doppelbach a great doppelbach and this is a bourbon barrel aged doppelbach so which how, is a new uh, that's a first for me how does that change the flavor for it. Uh, there's a, a touch of some of that barrel in the background, that bourbon sweetness that's normally not there uh, in a Doppelbach. Yeah, uh, normally nice. a Doppelbach is very dry. It, it's a lager normally, so you get a very dry flavor to it. So this is a treat for me. I, I think it does well. I, I think it really does. It's nice and dark, but 
but you still get a lot of the, I would say it actually accentuates a lot of the uh, plum and raisin flavors that you normally get in a double buck. You know what, Jim? You know you know why that barrel bourbon taste is so far out of it? So this was bottled on a, a 1125 at 14. Wow. So it was bottle conditioned after it was in the barrel. Oh, okay. So this so is... This, we, we bought this... That's, that's what the label says. We bought this in... Well, I, it was like early December yeah, so of December, 2016. December 9th or December 10th of 2016. Wow. What's interesting about the labels is it also gives you the bottle that you got out of a certain number of bottles from that batch. So what? which bottle do we have from the Liberator there? Uh, we have 61 of 203. So, I mean, we're talking very limited special release, which was... It, it was really incredible that we were able to be there on that day. We we had to miss the Four Elves party, but we were already on our way to, <laughs> to Three Floyds, so we you know yeah. we had bigger uh, bigger nuts to crack. I, I'm going to say that I would say that 2014 is probably right on this because it is it tastes aged to me, right? It's a lot. Uh, you're getting a lot of mellow flavors. It's very mellow, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not very malty. Uh, as you would expect of a fresh Doppelbach. What do you think, Jesus? Is it, this your jam? Are you a, a Doppelbach fan? I know you like the dark beers, but uh, yeah. Doppelbach specifically. I don't know if it was my jam necessarily, but I think that barrel-aged aspect of it just brings out a sweetness. I, I know I like heavy beers, you know, as you know, also sweetness, you know. Mm-hmm. And this one definitely has that. Well, and that's the interesting thing about Doppelbach is that it's not necessarily a heavy beer. Um, yeah. So it is, even though it is dark in color, similar to a Guinness, even though technically Guinness is a stout, Guinness comes in, what, what, three and a half, four percent? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a light, a but it is, name only. is this, dark in color. Is this almost the same kind of consistency as, I want to say that dark horse, that four... Oh, the six, six pairs of legs? legs? No, the other one. The, four guys. Four guys. The barley one. It almost reminds me of that. Just that it doesn't have that fizz. It almost tastes like a wine or something, like a sweet... Oh, see, I, I think it's no, I would say this is really aged. I mean, the head disappears... One off of this. See, I, well, I think I think of it like that just because it is sweet. Well, we'd love to get uh, you know some of the head brewers at the livery you know in for an interview if we if we do take that uh, yeah. Michigan trip and, and ask them about the the 2014 on the on the bottle. Ask them when they start bottling, when they start yeah. aging, what sort of bourbon barrels they're using. Uh, I think we we did look it up and on the Weizenbach it was the Four Roses barrels. Is that right, Jim? That is correct. So, I think uh, we should probably should have led with the livery. I mean, we didn't realize. The- <laughs> <laughs> fucking complexity of this stuff no, before well, I was we about to say, it jumped takes, into it, it. It does take you in a journey, because it just like that four guys, it looks like that, smells like that, yeah. it smells sweet. And, and double box, I mean, they're very low hops. But when hops. you taste it, man, you really get a different... It's almost it's, like when, when you tilt your glass, there's like a sheen. Yeah. And it almost looks like sediment, but it's like the liquid sort of, you know, there's different, you know, light yeah. refraction through the liquid where you're getting clear yeah. on the bottom of the glass, and then it looks like the dark part's floating underneath it. I, I get that as hmm. well. Uh, and I think that really probably comes from the aging. Yeah. I think it's starting to... That's a really interesting description, and, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right on that. Yeah, really fantastic. And this is also the first time I've had an aged double box, too, yeah. so... I mean, it's They're doing a some whole bunch of things. new things here for me. All right, well, let's uh, let's check out the next one, which is the aged, not a Schwarzbier, which is, you know, German for black beer, but this is a, a black ale. It's a bourbon barrel-aged black mm. ale. And this one is actually from 2016, according to the bottle. I don't know. What, what do we think of this? I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we, we it can't... It just has a bad aftertaste to me. We can't exactly compare it to the, the bourbon barrel-aged... Um, the Doppelbach, yeah. Doppelbach, yeah. No, so it's, it's going to be a different... 
different it, it is two different beers, but the, the after the aftertaste is just I don't not a fan of that. Oh a, yeah, I see you know what you're saying. saying. It's almost I see like, what you're saying. I don't want to say skunky, but it's almost like it's not skunky. It's that's not, not the right. That's no, not the right I'm thing. I'm trying to think of the term bitter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's something there. Yeah, there's there's something, something there at the, at the end. See, this is yeah. also just, bottled on 2014 yeah, as well. I think. I think. Let's see. Oh, this one's okay. I almost want to say. I want to say it's somewhere between bitter and sour. Okay. You know well, what I'm saying? I, 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 they're definitely sour notes. I yeah. think this yeah. is our... Yeah. No, is this a, the first one that so might have turned on it's us? It's a sign of turning, almost. Oh, but shit. But it's on the it back turn. end. It's on the back end. It turns on the back end, if it did. And yeah, I, but that's I, what I'm, I'm saying. On the that back maybe end, that's what intentional. And I'll, I'll tell exactly. you what. If it's that subtle, it probably is, because you're going to get that. If it's really infected, you're going to get a buttery smell right off the bottle, and it's going to be too sweet to even drink. No, because... Yeah, because you're right. So it hasn't turned, but we think that might be intentional. Okay. See, that's interesting. See, now I'm curious to get into the whole aging conversation with this particular beer. And it's it's also interesting because uh, when we were researching the livery, you know, uh, just in the last week before the podcast, I I did come across a disclaimer on their website where they said that from here on out, they're actually going to go to a malt beverage in a bourbon barrel, which is the same sort of thing that places like Central Waters are doing with their their bourbon barrel-aged stouts and things like that because it's a little bit of a safer process. If you just put wild yeast and, and everything into that barrel, sometimes it's going to go a little bit nuts. You know, it's going to do yeah. some things mm-hmm. that you didn't intend for it to do. And so the malt beverage is a little bit safer, but you're still going to pick up all those amazing, you know, barrel notes. This may be the last of its kind. You know what I mean? Like this, yeah. other than some of the sours, which they're going to continue to barrel age, this this may be the last of its kind. Yeah, I don't know if I can do like a full pour of this. <laughs> no. This is a this is a weird one to me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's decent. It's weird. I don't like the back end. It's one of those where you just want. It's. I'm, I'm glad I'm tasting it. Glad I'm trying it. But I'm just. Yeah. I just. Double yeah, bock. I, I would double think bock is a win. Yeah. Yeah. No, the double bock is total double win. Double bock is a win without the bourbon barrel. This is, this solid, is just kind of nothing. I would yeah. say this is a solid non-win. Okay. Yeah, this, this is, is a non-win, of, which is puts a, it below a non-fail, <laughs> which is not good. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't call it a fail. Nothing to it. I wouldn't really. call it a fail because they they put it through the yeah. bourbon barrel aging process. It's got some God, interesting I, I'm notes. Just, I'm just really, but trying it's not to, something I'd, I'd run back to. I'm just trying to really describe it because yeah, it's like it's a cross between bitter, sour, and I almost want to say flat. Yeah, it's, it's like, it, you know what I'm saying. It's like it's over aged. I think it's yeah. whatever flavor may have been there has been aged out. So we're saying they all, they almost went through too much work. Yeah. Uh, yes, this yeah. might be uh, example of not that we're getting the stale carb boardy notes but it's that's just flat out nothing yeah and it's it's a little disappointing when i think we can agree that the weisenbach is a solid non-fail edging into wind territory this (laughs) this one not so much i just i just think it's weird well let's get into our third one here the the gold medal winning uh triple weisenbach Weisenbach. Uh, and this is the only one of the three that has the the wax top it's got you know it's got all the bells and all the whistles so up next is the Bourbon Barrel Age Triple Weizenbach. Uh, Alex, what do we think here? <laughs> Holy man, that that actually burns on the way down. What what is the alcohol percentage on that? Uh, this is our biggest boy. Uh, you better be having some big boy pants on this boy. 
sixteen uh, percent. Okay, I'm out of here. See you guys. <laughs> yeah, this one is oh, kicking you in wow. the crotch and making you cry, Uncle. See, no, this is the one where I, I only bought one of the two others, the uh, the Sh- the Schwarzbier and the Doppelbach. But uh, this one I bought two of, so that we could yeah, have a tasting. Yeah. And I could lay one down. I was thinking about laying it down for a year. I feel like two, maybe three, yeah. might be appropriate on this yeah, one. Put it in so. your basement. <laughs> now, now, why did you buy two of these? Oh, absolutely. So that I could throw one in the cellar, and that we could do one for the podcast tasting. Now, this beer is intense, man. It's hardcore. This is a, uh, it's a step up from rubbing alcohol. <laughs> it is. Uh, no, no, that's that's not fair. Yeah, that's it's not more no, no, no. no I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. But, but it is boozy. It is heavy, and it is. We're uh, talking about another completely opaque beer. I mean, just completely black, but, out of the glass. Well, this is the kind of this is the kind of stuff I like. Do you guys have any head? I mean, my no, head has no. completely no. disappeared. Yeah, no. This no. is but this is boozy. this is what I like though. It's it's heavy. It's it has that booziness. But it is, it's, when you're smelling it, it is sweet. It is very sweet. It's complex, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this will definitely be something that does well from aging. Oh. Uh, it, so something we don't talk about much is really, where does beer get its flavor from? And a lot of it is from the yeast. Now, yeast has a certain ABV that it can get up to. In order to get in the 16%, either they've got some pretty strong yeast that they're putting in here, or uh, they do something later on to strengthen the ABV. I'd say once you get over that, that initial alcohol punch in the face, it, it does have like some complexities to it. Oh, definitely. It definitely does. But it, it is, it's heavy, man. It is really it is, heavy. Yeah, That's what I mean. Like when, right I say, when I say that I want to lay this one down or put it in the, the cellar for a while, I can't wait to taste what the barrel tastes like. Yeah, but. Because I'm not getting any barrel right now. It is just, it's such a strong beer that I'm not getting any barrel from it. Yeah. I, I'm getting the, the strength, you know, the so booziness. Let's, but let's extrapolate this out. What do you think you'll get after aging this? Because it already has the sweetness. It, it's already high. Well, we're talking I about mean, the Four Roses barrels. So, yeah. it, you know, l- like we said, uh, Andy and I tried that uh, that Bells, uh, which had been aged in Four Roses barrels, yeah. re-aged in fresh Four Roses barrels. And that is a beautiful taste. I mean, Four Roses bourbon, if you haven't had it, uh, treat yourself. It, it's delicious. See, and I might go out on a limb here, but I don't think this was barrel-aged even quarter of a long as long as the ones at bells well that was 18 months yeah, yeah that that's a crazy so amount of time to just just from no, the difference we saw in their other bottles of how long they were bottle conditioned delivery is going more for okay we're gonna stick it in the barrels for a short amount of time no then you, we're gonna bottle it then we're gonna bottle age it because if you look at it i mean 203 204 beers on those other batches that's only 17 cases of bomber i mean see, no, I, I could the, fit the, i could the, fit like like four pallets in my basement I, the booziness is the booziness is there, but I, yeah, I just don't. I disagree. I think maybe the other two, the Sojourner and the Liberator, might have been bottled and then aged in the bottles. This one, I feel like, had has been aged very well in bourbon barrels. I, I think that, they really took their time with this one. The only thing that would make me think that and agree with you is the sweetness. It just, it is. I feel like it's been aged. It's, it's just. It's, uh, so I guess I would agree. It's probably been about a year. Yeah, I mean, in, I just the think, I just think it's. I think it, about a year in the barrel that it sounds just, about right there's something about it like 
like I'm not. I don't know the the science behind it. I don't I anything. Disagree on the I, age in the barrel. It's well, it is a wheat. Too hot, right? Because uh, so it's a Weizenbach. Yeah, so, so it's a it, wheat it's made with wheat. So that's going to we're just going to give it some some extra some sweetness. sweetness. Yeah, so that alone will do it. But and then you got the Bach, which is yeah, just, it's just complex. Maybe maybe I. I it's very complex. No, there is no way to I mean, describe it. Let's talk about. Well, the it's flavor. not something we normally get. I mean, no one. Let's talk about the flavor because I'm getting debate over this one. Yeah, because I'm getting a lot of sweetness at the very beginning so i i get where you're coming from but there's a depth of flavor to this one as as i drink it and as it warms up i mean let's be honest about that as it warms up yeah. it, it kind of changes yeah. flavors there's a depth i mean once you get to the very base of this beer the very last taste that you get of it there's something there that makes me want to come back for more would you consider it boozy oh, well, it's, oh it's boozy. Too, yeah it's know? absolutely boozy but like no, i so, said like, as it, it warms it, up and as i warm so, up to it there there's there's something at the very fades end. away a little bit with so the warmth. Like, well, if you age it would it still be boozy, i think it's think? i think it's maybe the oakiness that i'm getting at the very end it's like a little oak you know, and a little bit of vanilla like the barrel speaks to me at the very end whereas on some of the beers that we've drunk the barrel speaks to you right off the bat you know and this one it's like the beer is so strong and so very good that the barrel i don't get until the very end and i yeah. want more of it and i want to age it you know? yeah, yeah the barrel is super uh limited right now i'm getting a ton of the the, the esters which is a lot of banana right now Ooh. from the yeast yeah yeah and and that would make sense with the weisenbach you know if we're talking about yeah. a weiss type of uh, of a bach you're gonna get some ready banana because the mm. yeast has got to just be going crazy on this stuff they must pump so much sugar to get 16 percent. yeah like a like a chocolate uh well the sugar's definitely almost. in the front end in the smell you can i mean yeah on the, on the tail end i could see what you're saying alex for sure this, see, this is a this is why the the podcast and the tastings that we're doing are so fantastic because we can really get into this and some of the beers i mean we've had total agreement on you know some of the the imperial stouts it's like yeah that's good <laughs> we like that beer but this one is unlike anything that we've ever had and it it breeds a lot of conversation and so yeah. i think this is really the important this is really the fascinating part about uh, podcasting beer tastings like we're doing yeah but and bottom line is like you just don't even know how to describe something and the other thing you is like, mine's almost flat i mean there's no oh, yeah, yeah so that's another thing we're not getting that brightness of the that the co2 would normally get i think this will get more carbonated as whatever remaining yeast in the bottle has a chance to carbonate Jim maybe, the bo- said, maybe the booziness yeah. as jim mccabe said there's, you can't you can't try a beer too early, early but, but you can try one too late yeah. but this is a little early this needs you think, yeah. a lot yeah. more a couple of years, the booziness is just going to completely go away from this one, and you're just going to almost have like a. God, it's going to be like almost like a, a port wine. It's, it's going to be like it's, a, it will it's going to be like a caramel coffee like biscuit. I just think type of it. Thing. I just think of it. Yeah, it's going to be a dessert wine or something like a port wine. A dessert just, beer. Okay, I like, like that idea. Uh, we'll see you in 2020. Serve it. Serve it. <laughs> serve it warm. Serve it warm. Yeah, room temperature. Room well, like 50, 55 degrees. <sighs> Cause yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's it, pull it out of your fridge for at want, least a half an hour. Yeah, I want to revisit this. We got a hot sure. one here. Yeah. Cool. Well, I will say a beer that breeds this much conversation, I, I think edges into win territory. I, I think it's it's complex. It's different. It's you know, it, there's a lot of things to talk about there. No, I, and speaking of talking about beers, let's get back into our listener feedback. We've got one more piece. Uh, we've got Vince Clore, you know, friend of the podcast. He's actually given us some of our our theme music, Vince. 
Vinsclore, a member of the Gleasons, an Irish rock band that uh, is giving us some amazing music, amazing music for our podcast. Uh, it, we're really thankful. And Vince emails us, from laser snakes to desert eagle wielding kittens riding unicorns, do you or have you guys ever bought beer based on the label artwork? How important do you think it is for an up-and-coming craft brewery to put emphasis on the label, or should just the quality of the beer, word of mouth, be enough in the crowded beer space? Any favorite beer labels for you guys? And I think this is really important because we just went from a brewery delivery where let's describe this label it's it's very basic the the label for each of the three beers that we tried was exactly the same other than the name of the beer you know so it's 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 a livery you know it's a it's a guy bashing a a horseshoe or something you know it's it's very cool it's a very cool label but it's the same label for every beer and it's i think this is an appropriate time to talk about it because the the brewery that we're leading into andy what's the next brewery we're leading we're leading into is uh odd side ales a bunch of different different types of beers. So the actual label that we're leading into is called Hazel's Nuts, and it's a bearded woman on the label. And it's a stout aged in bourbon barrels with coffee and natural hazelnut flavors. So uh, the the lady boy on the on, on the label is Hazel's Nuts. I think I mean all the labels have that unique look to them. So yeah, yeah, brightly colored compared yeah. to the livery, which is jet black. Yeah, with, with a little bit of red. And we were just at Dark Horse where all the labels we, we made a couple. Mistakes. We're similar, but all the labels are pretty similar. So I guess for me personally, uh, I still go by uh, like word of mouth. I look reviews for the beers too. Yeah, reviews. But but I do. I honest. I bought the first Fantasy Factory because of the label. You know, Fantasy. I bought that because it was so unique. It was so weird. Um, so so I've got a hard line. Cause I mean, I, uh, I agree that the Fantasy Factory is really good. I love well, Fantasy Factory. Let's, no, let's just say that. Let's just say it's great design too. Let's just say for our listeners that the Fantasy Factory is the one that Vince was talking about where it is literally a desert eagle wielding cat wearing a rambo bandana on top of a uh, flame breathing unicorn with the <laughs> with the mario brothers castle in the background i mean it's it's like everything that you wanted as a 14 year old on a on a beer label <laughs> no, they, it's it incredible originally a meme though wasn't it no, no, I believe that was a no. That this was is first original. original. This, this is, is original. an original label. This is I don't know who does the labels for uh, them, but they're totally crazy. And yeah. we're talking yeah, about car- Carbon Four Brewing in Madison, yeah. which yeah. is you know they're doing some really kind of crazy things with some of their labels. There's some they have, they have, they have portraits like like paintings from the guy who does all the designs that his it's his interpretation of each beer in you know art form. I don't think they kind of relate to each other, but they're unique. Like a brewery like Three Floyd. They all kind of look like Three like, Floyds is, is the other one that Vince was talking about with yeah. the laser, the laser snake. snakes, right? Yeah. Where yeah. it's it's literally a snake firing laser beams. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't you can't get more crazy than something yeah. like that. So I got a hard line on the design because I mean, if it's a shelf beer, okay, and you got a crazy design like that, it's it's meant to pop out at you. Right? Yeah, you're it's gonna grab my attention if I don't attention, know you. You know? Yeah, you're definitely gonna grab attention with that. I'm definitely looking for beers I know. What do I want? And do I know it's good? And I'm looking for that. But if I'm just looking for a beer, a more colorful label is going to grab my attention. Yeah, but at the yeah, because I, I think I'm with the gym too. Because it's like at the end of the day, you go look for something. If it's not there, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Grab it. Well, I, I think it's a tough balance for breweries who are putting yeah. these labels on because they want a to be uh, identified as that brewery, right? You want to look at, at a shelf and be able to identify a certain brewery, but then they also want within that brewery to be differentiated by the different beers that they're doing. So that's where I think 
I, I think Dark Horse, which is what we've been doing tonight, is is kind of getting it right. You know, yeah. they, they have something where I know it's definitely Dark Horse, but then everyone is a little bit different. Yeah. But then also, I mean, I can't say that I don't love the Three Floyds, because what Three Floyds has done is they've gone in conjunction with some of the tattoo artists and some of the, you know, music label, uh, you know, producing uh, designers where they, they've done just these crazy labels where you know it's Three Floyds, but it's also got like this thrash metal kind of aspect uh, to it. They've you know, also and, like and, combined and tattoo uh, artists, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, but my two like two favorite breweries are Lakefront, and their their label is so simple. And then my, my other favorite brewery is uh, Schleifle in St. Louis. All their labels are like the circle logo and a variation of that logo. So yeah. I will say I, I'm a sucker for a square stuck on its edge. One of my favorite labels is Simple too, but it's from Boulevard uh, Brewing Company out of Kansas City. It's a square tilted up, and I just I don't know what it is about wow. squares on its edge, but I fucking look. Wow, I think I think both you. you and I go simplicity. I mean, you crazy different. You I like you? something crazy. Yeah, I you think like, Andy's kind of the same. I, I like, like a, I like a little bit crazier labels too. I mean, but like some of the best beers have like the weirdest labels. I mean, like Big Hugs from Half Acre. Yeah, that was a good it's, one. That's they, a fun they one. change they change the label every year, but I it always half, involves that cat. Yeah, right? it's always it always involves a certain <laughs> kitten. So one year, like it was fighting Godzilla on the on the label. The next year, it was smashing the White House. I think one and, year was fighting <laughs> zombies yeah. or something, and yeah, and a this, Walking this, Dead theme to it. And you mean a generic Asian yes. monster lizard, right? Yes. Yes. A generic <laughs> Asian monster lizard set out to destroy the world. No, it was a Godzilla. This is a generic was not Godzilla. generic Asian uh, monster kitten. Whoever owns the Godzilla franchise, we have no money. Please do not see us. <laughs> Uh, but you do. You have to have a label that stands out in order to differentiate yourself from the multitude of beers that are out there now. And yeah. speaking of a label that stands out, let's talk about this Hazel's Nuts, which so <laughs> I mean, it's a, it is a crazy label. It's it's a man lady. It's a it's a bearded lady. She's a handsome <laughs> woman. <laughs> you know, in a traveler's uh, freak show is the marquee behind Ooh, her on the label. There's nuts. What do we think of the hazelnut on this one? Man, there's nuts oh, there. Yeah. Yeah, there's. I think it's a nice balance. I actually kind of like it this one. I'm not a hazelnut kind of guy. What's the what's the alcohol on that? ABV. Let's be professional here. Oh, man. Doesn't yeah. say actually. I, I like the bourbon. So people hate you, Jim. I like I like the bourbon. <laughs> they barrel. love me and your family. <laughs> I like the bourbon barrel aging on this one. I think it's you know. Let's talk about uh, Lakefront, which was our episode one podcast. Um, they had just recently their My Turn series with the the Mike's Turn, which yeah. was a, a hazelnut-infused uh, stout. And I, I kind of like this one a little better just because oh, of yeah, the bourbon yeah. barrel aging. But both, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a sucker for hazelnut. It's it's very nice. No, it wasn't it, a stout, though. It was an imperial brown, wasn't it? Mm, you're right. You're right. I'll, I'll correct today. myself on that. <laughs> it was an imperial brown. I thought it picked up the hazelnut really nicely, but when you when you age this thing in a bourbon barrel, man, this the aftertaste is strong, man. There's coffee yeah. in this too. It, the hazelnut is all about yeah. the aftertaste. I, I think that might complement the hazel, but I mean, well, see, I'm I, hazel. I think the hazel's on the front end, the back end. Is well, it's I think it's both. <laughs> I think it's both, and I think it, it really smooths out the back end. I like the bottle. Now, is, I think the back end is very coffee. Is this a beer that you would sell or age, Jim? I, I think it might uh, benefit a little bit from cellaring, but uh, maybe a mute 
the hazelnutish a bit. I agree. Like, I don't know. I'm not a big fan. I would, of this. I would hope that the hazelnut would would. I would love settle to have this sit for a year. I wouldn't do it more than a year. I agree no, with you, Hazelnut. A year just, would be perfect. It really reminds me of some. Settle in a little bit, and it's gonna be a lot better. It reminds me of some weird Belgium chocolate. I, I have no other way to describe it other than they, they it love has that edge shoving to it. hazelnut into yeah. their chocolates. It has the edge to it. I just think a year would be like it was smooth enough. Yeah, for me, okay. it's it personally not a big hazelnut fan. So it's way too much hazelnut for me. But I think so too. It, it is good though. I mean, I will say that because it smells well. So there's no fighting of the flavors. Dude, it's, it's kind of a dirty beer. So as the bottle says, you know, it, life's <laughs> sweeter when it's wrapped in debauchery. <laughs> debauchery. Yeah. I like that. All right. Well, let's compare this to the hipsters brunch. So this is a bourbon barrel aged coffee, maple syrup, and bacon added beer. Oh. So the first time I tried this, mm-hmm. uh, which was not tonight it was another time i i remember saying to andy boy this is really interesting because of the smoky flavor what do you think that's coming from and he read the label and he's like oh well that's the bacon <laughs> so i got I like, a smoky aspect from the bacon what what do you guys think i'm, I'm liking this because it, the smoke is not as intense as other beers it's as yeah, if it was just yeah. a smoked beer yeah, yeah no, there's certain is, bacon beers in this area you know um, what i'm saying i've they, had a bacon beer and it's way too bacony and it's kind of yeah. terrible no, they so, over they like they overdo nice. it both the smoke and the bacon. This is like has that slight smoke. Yeah, what this is done way better. It, it done with care. I what do you say. think about the sweetness from the the maple? This, this I is, think it complements. It's just it, it's well, more but, kind of a breakfast. I don't even know how to oh, say, but it's like a hipster's brunch almost. Yeah, kind of yeah. <laughs> like a breakfast. <laughs> no, but it, this is like really well balanced. It has the, the sweetness. It has the smoke. It has the bacon. It's. Yeah, no, this is very yeah, good. Yeah, this one I like better than the Hazel's Nuts. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, one yeah, that I think that. you could you could drink this one now. I, I don't even know about laying this one down. No, I wouldn't have is, to. You know, this this, is, this is a not sellable. I mean, it's sellable. Fresh. It might be interesting to try it what? a year from now, but I think this one's just, this one's This ready. is one you want to drink what, what natural flavors are in this beer? It's an adjunct, right? So you lay this down for a year. The flavors that we're getting now aren't going to be there. They're not going to be there anymore. Uh, so what's the point? Drinking out. This is like one of the, yeah, fresh. And Just looking at the barrel, this was can. this was actually bar- bottled on 11-7-16, and we're now drinking it on, you know, 127, 128, 17. So it's, not, it's not that far. So it's not that far, but I think it's been enough that this is this is perfect no, this is like, this is about peak this, for, is, for this, this is a beer. this is another one of those treats because of the balance i really like it yeah I, S- sweet smoky the bacon well, everything that's the key word balance yeah. you know we'll, we'll see how the last two go but right now i mean odds i attention in the wind territory for me as a brewery as a whole right now. i still say solid non fail because i don't give anything i want <laughs> So I would definitely say solid non-fail on the solid non-fail on the hazels nuts, but hipsters brunch is definitely edging into wind territory for me. But so on the next two, I mean, the next beer we're gonna do is actually a rye version of the hipster. Oh, oh all right, oh, okay, well, that'll be interesting because it'll add some uh, pepper yeah. spice yeah. to it. I love that. And then we're gonna end off. We're one. gonna end off with the spicy. I'm not a big fan of spicy beers, but I've heard good things about it. Bourbon barrel aged Imperial Mayan Mocha Stout with coffee, cinnamon nutmeg and uh, habaneros alright alright man that rye hipster let's do it so what do you think I like it man sweet definitely has you can 
taste like it's still the same. What, it's this, a, definitely a cousin of the hipster. What, what's the <laughs> difference? What's the difference? We just tried the the uh, regular hipsters brunch. Now it's the rye hipsters brunch. So what are we tasting differences? Uh, I'm getting a little bit of the spiciness of the rye. No, yeah, because that's the only thing I I feel is different. It's more boozy, I guess you would say. No, I wouldn't say more boozy. I, I think it's the same amount of boozy. I, I'm I, all across the board. It's almost the same beer, but there's a little bit of spiciness just so from that rye. So, a little so, sweetness so, so too. Pepper edge to it. I feel like rye is gonna give it a little sweetness and a little bit of pepper. I, I just feel like it's it's more boozy, but maybe that's maybe it's it just something at the back of the throat. You know, maybe Honestly, that's the I like, spice. I like it bigger, better than the regular hipster. Really. I, I really do. I oh, like wow. It. I like it better than the regular hipster. No, I think this has more of an edge to it. I, I just... I, I like, I like the edge. I know. you. Yeah, but I like the other one just because it was. I felt it was more smooth. I mean, you're still getting the, the bacon. You're still getting the maple. You're still getting everything about the hipster brunch. It's just that little bit of rye that sets it No, but uh, I feel like it it, if it's like columns or whatever, it's like everything kind of gets pushed down and the rye or something gets pushed out. So it's like more mellow on everything else. That's what I... I like the other one because it had the sweet at everything there. This one just has a little bit more, whatever that rye is, is pushed up. What makes, what is a rye? Like, what is... Tell us about our barrels. <laughs> yeah. or, so, or try, I guess try. Like, what makes that rye? Like, what is that taste that I'm seeing? Uh, so, yeah, it has nothing to do with it. It's the same barrels. It's really the grain that's used. And exactly what you're talking about, Alex, is that it adds a touch of more sweetness and some spiciness, uh, pepper kind of flavor So that's what it is. To it. Okay, because... Yeah, because that's what I feel like. That's pushing up, like that spiciness. Yeah, you could definitely feel it on the tail end, and definitely on the on the tail end, it's that spiciness in the. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you could describe that, like the the difference between lettuce and arugula. You know, there's yeah. there's a spiciness to arugula that a lettuce doesn't have. Like if for our listeners who are you know just experiencing this, we have to be very specific with our with our taste profiles, and it, that that's one that I could give. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. There's all sorts of different taste profiles but so do you think the the bacon smokiness sweetness is all the same but i feel like that's the same yeah okay so maybe it's that it's that spiciness that kind of makes me think that it's different it just there's something about it that that overpowers me on the back end oh okay and it could be like in a good way or a bad way in a bad way because i think the first one was was better because it didn't have that that tail on it I guess. See, I like the rye. I actually like a rye whiskey, so I really like that, and this one really appeals to me. What do you um, think, Jim? Yeah, Jim, do, do you prefer this one, or do you prefer the, the, the regular... Um, I, I think the rye one is trying to, brunch. Try, trying to do a little too much. It adds a little bit too much sweetness, and, and though the pepper kind of melds well with the bacon, because, you know, I like a yeah. pepper bacon, so a whole lot of breakfast stuff going on, but uh, I like the original a little bit better. I think the rye is just trying to do a yeah. little bit too much. Maybe there, that's there are what times I... where you can add too many flavors and you're trying to do too much at one time and you get a little confused. And maybe that's what I sense too because it's just that, that extra spiciness that and maybe that is what you were saying the rye. That, that a little extra is, is what is not doing it for me. What do you think, so, Andy? Yeah, Jim, uh, Andy, you you've tried a number of these breakfast type of stouts. What, how does how does this one level up for you? Well, I'm not going to go into the other ones right now because you, you've been listening to us long enough. <laughs> 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 but that I will say that 
I, I differentiate from the rest of you where I will take the rye over there, Rich. Wow, I okay. like I like the booziness that's added to it. And speaking of different like profiles going into it, I mean, yes, that rye did change the original a lot. Let me just say that this one I feel like doesn't necessarily need to get aged. We we've talked about no. we've talked about no. aging beers, and I feel like these are all set. These I would are all yeah. set I would to say go. none of these need to get aged. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so how about the the Imperial Mayan Mocha? Does that one do you feel feel like that one needs to get laid down or do you th- feel like that one's also ready to go because this one's going to have a little bit of spiciness this is to it. so complex to me because mm. it almost tastes like There's as you go it. yeah as you go through it yeah this you is... get that smell of almost like that have you guys had the mexican hot chocolate yes with that yeah yeah um the mexican quote-unquote um, with the i prefer south of the border with, with the uh, with the cinnamon right yeah so as you go through it, you get that little smell. Hot. I mean, this is. But for what they're good. trying to do, I mean, do. it's a solid. I do not like spicy beers, okay. okay. And especially with you know, the, like habanero sculpin. I drank one of those, and I was like, I will never drink this again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this has definitely got some enough. heat. Yeah, one was enough. It has heat. Like, it, it has chilly. heat, but it's like so on the back end, and there's so it's many... It's so on the back end, for the, sure. The nutmeg mixes in with the cinnamon in the beer, and it's just... It's, you know, it kind of like chills out that habanero that was just on the back end. It doesn't linger. Weird. Do you think the habanero would be better after a year of aging on this one? Huh. Do you think it would settle like, in? Like, and... like, we, like I said before, it's an adjunct, and okay, who knows where it's going to be a year from now. That's, yeah. If, if, okay. Okay, That's the fun part. We don't know. <laughs> are these are these natural? You know, are they actually like smoking habaneros and putting it in the beer, or are they putting you know just you know some capsaicin in there with the habanero alternative flavoring? See, I with outside and and some of the other things that they're doing, I, I give them enough credit that I feel like that's real habaneros. But yeah, I would think I, for, I generally for breweries, it, but it's really, going to be much easier to get real stuff than try to do artificial stuff. I just really have actual chemists to do that. I just really like the journey of this the, the sweetness there's a lot going on this is a very then, complex then beer i really think that that mexican hot chocolate taste mm. and then that spiciness at the end i don't know if i can drink too many of these no just because it's is... so unique but i enjoy the journey that i'm going with yeah. this beer yeah, yeah they're I, all I, good and they're just all like straight out the bottle don't age them just drink them yeah these are all oh, straight agree, up ready definitely, to drink i agree just drink it enjoy it but i just man if i, I couldn't do i could I, we're doing like little taster sizes, but I don't know if I could do a full bottle of this. Is that is that our verdict on outside ales? Is uh, you know definitely drink these as you as they come yes, to you, and uh, sure. maybe not not worth a, an aging in in the cellar. I wouldn't age these. Yeah, I know that there may be some benefit aging them, but they're ready right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure the the flavors are melded. They're complex. Uh, you may mute some off flavors, but not much. Yeah. Are we done? Finally. We're done. <laughs> yeah, Alex, I think I think we're gonna wrap it up. Okay. I think we gotta wrap it up. Jim, that's, I want Jim to bury the whole beer rating process, yeah. but that's gonna be in a later episode. That's gonna be in a different episode. But so, let's finish this up. What so do you got? What do you got, Alex? Let's wrap this up. Uh, so we want you to contact us, and uh, we want to hear about your thoughts on, on the beers that we just tasted. We want to hear your thoughts on the beers that we're going to taste. We'll be posting some of those tap lists forthcoming. Everything beer related. Anything that you have to say about our podcast, we want to hear. And I think that's it, boys. Because it feels like uh, there's no more beer. There's no more beer. No more beer. No more beer. beer.